Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Indeed, good morning, there is a war for our souls. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the war. We thank you, Lord God, that you are victorious in that war, and you have caused us to be more than conquerors. So I pray today that as we listen to your word, as we examine our hearts, as we think about this world and our responsibilities or our activities or our um, activities in it, Lord God, that you would bring us to clarity understanding and peace. Lord, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth his plans. His, Lord God, that we agree with your plans. We agree with your will, that we will live and not die, that we will raise up and walk in the land of righteousness, truth, love, and justice, mercy, and forgiveness, Lord God, that your people will know that they are your disciples by the love that you have for one another, that we have for one another. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for your testimony, and thank you for your spirit bearing witness today to our and in our hearts about these truths, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So welcome again to Rescue Radio, and uh, today I have my favorite guest uh, and helper. Yes. <laughs> good morning. Hi. Good morning, Marjorie. How are you t- How are you doing today? Oh, I sound terrible. I sound like a frog, but I'm not in the kettle. We're kind of so, little, we're, we're a little froggish today with our voices. I've been talking nonstop. For my husband says three days. I said, no, I think no, it was more five. Like five days. Seriously, that's it. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But, it's uh, a beautiful thing to have a voice, guys. God Just be gives thankful. Us great. So, okay. what's well, this I, topic we're on here today? This, well, this is fascinating to me. Yeah, it is because we're going through it ourselves, aren't we? It's not fair. Uh, and what are you going to do about it? Um, life. Let's look at the world and our lives in it for a second, just to take a little assessment before we dive into what the Word says. Um, iniquity and injustice, or of course, iniquity is creates injustice, and then we. These are the two basic operating principles of the world. You know that the system that we live in, of course, and the God of this world loves the system He created, which is iniquity, injustice. And then, of course, all the ramifications from injustice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but here, here's the deal: everywhere we look, we'll see. You don't even have to have good vision. 2020. You don't even need that. You'll see sin, injustice, hurt. Think about your own personal life. Offense, pain, misunderstandings, violence, greed, covetousness, bitterness, weeping, loss, lying, intentional scheming to deceive, hatred, murder assassination, concealed assassinations, and strategic targeting of the innocent or the truth-tellers, murder, suicide bombings, despair, anger, rage, religious fabrications of the truth of God's gospel, stories, lies, rewriting of the truth to to show new versions of history, to tell our children, to perpetuate the agenda of the God of this world, all lies, murder, and covetousness. Well, well, that's that's uh, the description of the present life on evil, the planet. Life yeah. on the planet, the present, the present evil world system. Sounds kind of depressing, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it does, why would God? Why would a good? In the midst of all this. Why would a good God let us live in this sn- slime pit, this snake pit, 
like this because he has a purpose, right? He has a purpose, and he has allowed Satan to be the god, small g, of this world, the prince of this present but, evil world that, that basically Adam and Eve turned over to him, and we've been turning it over to him ever since. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. By now, you know, we've all lived on this world, in this earth, long enough to know that the world does not do fair, as you said this morning, quote to quote you, the world does not do fair. The God of this world hates fair. He hates justice, mercy, goodness, and sees those godlike qualities as stench and abomination. Did you ever think that Satan, there are things that are an abomination to Satan, and one of them is goodness, righteousness, truth, justice, mercy, yeah, he, he any hates, of God's qualities. He hates all those things. Especially as he sees them being developed in us, and that's why we're here, is God's Spirit is developing in us the qualities and characteristics of Jesus Christ in the midst of Satan's best attempts to destroy us. God is working and always working, silently, constantly consistently and continually working. But here's the problem. We're created by God to love justice and mercy. Well, and, we see that even, you know, little children, you know, they were at the birthday party yeah. and uh, they have something to drink, punch or something. And if like someone gets a little more in their glass I than know. the other person, they said, that's not fair. Yeah. It should be the same. And, oh, and, truly. and, and haven't you seen kids They'll they'll put the glasses next to each other oh, to yeah. make sure it's oh, yeah. it's even and it's fair. And oh the same. yeah, and that's or that's, the size of the ice cream cone yeah, or anything that's, else. This yeah, this is kind of a pr- primitive example of the uh, yeah. well, the word designed by God to have uh, desire, justice, well, and fairness. Here we're created by God to love justice, but the devil switches the word justice to fairness, and to make things fair and make things right. Right. Are not the same. Well, like not the same. Well, we'll, talk, we'll look at that right in, in a minute. But okay. um, you know, because when you try to make things fair, you have to go back to trying to um, expose people, expose situations, explain things, investigate, accuse, cross-examine motives, and you know, you think you have to get to the bottom of something before you can really truly um, be at peace about giving. You're not that this is okay, but in 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 Luke chapter twelve, Jesus talks about um, saying to us, reminding us, comforting us with the promise that for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be made known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be pr- pronounced or proclaimed on the housetops. So we don't. It's not our job to investigate figure out who did what, who did the worst, who comparing bad to bad and naughty to naughty. It, it's an impossible situation in view of what you read here at the beginning of the program, Marjorie, yeah. about all, all that's going on in this in this whole system. But when you think of all the things that are covered, that are, that are hidden from the eyes of men now, right. in, in the thoughts and intents right. of people's hearts, uh, all the who's telling the all, truth? All, who's telling the truth? All mm-hmm. the corruption in, in government, in the church, in in families, in our own minds and hearts. All these, all this evil stuff that you really, in ourselves, we 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 can't we're figure not it able, out. We can't figure it out. Yeah. We're never able to get to, at to the to the bottom of this. Yeah. But we have a an assurance from God, who is the righteous judge, who knows all things, that He's going to bring it out. Everything is going to be made right one day. Yeah, and then he we have, sees it. Then we have the problem of we're trying to figure out who's right, who's telling the truth, and of course, the devil mixes a lot of truth with lies, with lies to confuse you. I, we uh, heard a sermon yesterday, uh, preached 
by a, a leader in a Christian-type community. I will say Christian-type. And he had a lot of stuff right about the, there being the existence of a devil, the mm-hmm. demons, the, the liar, the devil, and what he does. But his solution to the problem was wrong because he gave all of the, he used all of the truth to convince people that they had to try harder to be good and make right choices. And and, and everyone in the audience, this, the camera would scan the audience from time to time. Everyone looked bleak, sad, discouraged, dead. Un, uh, there was no rejoicing in the congregation. There was no hope given because the ultimate end line, end bottom line product of this Jesus by the fruits. There was no fruit of joy or rest or rejoicing. And so there wasn't truth. There was a a semblance of truth. And it's like that people are looking for truth everywhere. And then here's the other problem. You and I are the ones who are trying to discern the truth. Now, guess what? I appear right in my own eyes. You appear right in your own eyes. The scripture says, what does it say in Proverbs, honey, about? Well, um, it says every man thinks that he is right right in his own eyes. And and, Mm -hmm. and Proverbs 14, 12 says that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So we can deceive ourselves and we can think we're just, we're right and everyone else is wrong. And again, we go back, yeah. It's like the little poem, um, uh, in matters controversial, my attitude is fine. I always see two points of view, the one that's wrong and mine. <laughs> it's my way or the highway, right? <laughs> I know that. Yeah, that's true. But, well, you know, here's we're going to go on in Luke a little bit because I love Luke chapter 12. You ought to read that today, you guys. If you're having any problems with injustices, corruptions, lies, um, things that are not fair going on in your life, in your world, in your relationships. He says, um, he says let's see here. I want to read. Uh, we've got to find this. I just lost myself in the middle of myself. How can you do that, people? Um, he said, who made me, who made me, uh, yeah, Luke twelve thirteen. He says, then one from the crowd came to Jesus and said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. How many of us have got to that practical matter of dividing an inheritance and being totally, totally scammed, ripped off? Um, one child got to the dad, the mom, before the other one's and had the dad or mom sign everything over to them, and here you go. This is a major in-your-face, total injustice. Mom, dad, under the influence of medication, senile probably, and or the threat of some uh, physical violence, turned everything over to the wrong kid or the, the only other kid or whatever. And Jesus said to the guy who says, help make, make my brother, tell my brother to do it right, to divide it with me. In all rightness and fairness, you'd think every member of a family should be as entitled to the father and mother's inheritance as the others. Although in the olden days it was the boys, not the girls, and we know that set up a lot of problems as well. Um, Because that was not true. That was not right before God. So he said, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Wow. That's quite the scolding. So the Lord went to the deeper issue. The deeper issue right. wasn't wasn't it wasn't a question of fairness, really. Mm-hmm. It's a it was a issue of the the greed of this this man's heart, the and covetousness, a, covetousness, and a lot of times, like even when the rich young ruler came to Jesus, that was the the place Jesus went to in his life. What's your covetousness? What's the what's motivating you? Is it truly that you want justice, or you just want it to be fair? You know, take heed. Beware of the covetousness that creeps up in our own souls. And, and then, you know, by the way, 
your life does not consist. The abundance, the value of your life does not consist in the abundance of the things that you have, your stuff, your junk, your lands and properties. We can't take any of that stuff with us, can we? Well, the, a lot of times we use the concept of fairness to to get our own way. Like this, this, right. this man here. Right, right. He says, I want it for me. I want to satisfy my covetousness. So, in other words, so fair, it's fair. fairness mm-hmm. is that I should have... As much as you. As much as you or more than you. That's a kind of a perverted concept yeah. of... But, you know, the thing in, in, is life, fairness. if we expect others to make our lives, you know, when we're dividing up things, you expect a parent, for example, to make things fair. Um, that can't be done. Because every child requires different attentions, different um, interventions, different kind of um, uh, situations come up in, in various lives. And so the parent or the child or the father, mother, uh, you have your own children. You know that. Sometimes, you know, one needs you now and one needs you later. But to make life fair, God isn't here to make your life fair. He's, made, he's here to make your, right, your life right mm-hmm. and to bring justice in the end because God is a righteous judge. And we're going to get to that part. But anyway, in this discussion in 12 of Luke, Jesus goes on to talk about the, the rich, the rich man, who whose ground yielded plentifully, and the rich young, the rich man said, "Well, you know what? I I've got to build bigger barns. I've got to store my crops. Then I can sit back and relax, retire, kick back, soul. You have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, drink, eat, drink, and be merry." So most of us, for us, our goal is to find that place on earth where we can eat, drink, and be merry, kick back and relax, kind of, you know, not have any problems. And you know what, guys, that is, that is not happening on the earth. That is a, a, a fake that doesn't exist, that utopian experience, moment, retirement, whatever. You are continually, we're continually being asked by God to give an account of every day, every moment, every breath we take to make it count for the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, guy, this night you're going to die. And all that stuff you planned and thought about and worried about and gathered up and accumulated isn't even going to be yours. You can't even take it with you. You can't take nothing with you except souls. Mm-hmm. So we're really called upon to to live right in a world that's wrong. Uh, uh, live right in a world well, that's very yeah. unfair. Yeah. And it's like, uh, can I use a little illustration, is that, you know, and when I uh, spend time, some some time coaching um, basketball, junior high basketball, and what happens is that <clears throat> the referees, anybody that's involved with sports, that referees make mistakes. They make bad calls. Oh yeah, and, and, and we think like, they do too. And, and, yeah, and we think they do, and and there are times they actually make them. Sometimes they make right calls, but because they're not the call that's going our way for our team, we think it's a bad call. Or from our perspective, it doesn't from our look like the right call. Right. right, they've made the wrong call. But what I always tell the players is this, is that you play through it. They're going to make some bad calls, but you can't let that all bum you out. You well, just go ahead and play your game, and you have to kind of shrug it off and keep doing your best. No, so for us, that that in the midst of this unfair, unjust world, Mm-hmm. We need to just keep on going and serving the Lord. Well, we need to know how to keep on going, and I believe we need to keep on going by knowing that you know whether that that referee or the judge or the situation is not fair. That God is and knows the heart, and God is the righteous judge, and He'll make it all fair in the in the end. But listen to this: He goes on in Luke to talk about you know, of course, seeking first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And I, I believe part of that, these things that will be added eventually is 
the recognition, the revelation of all things, the truth, the plots behind it, the justice, the exoneration of truth and justice. But Jesus also goes on to tell us that, he, and he said exactly what you're saying. In the midst of all this, we need to be faithful stewards, faithful in that which is least, not get all bummed out because we think the coach is, or the the, uh, the referee is on the other team. We need to swap, you know, be continually not affected by another the negativity of another person or their their calls in our life, uh, but focus on what is the truth and what Jesus wants us to know. And Jesus said, 1249, he says, I came to send fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled, but I have a baptism to be baptized with and how distressed I am until it be accomplished. Um, Do you suppose that I've come to give peace to the earth? I tell you not at all, but rather division. Now, isn't it interesting for the legalists to try to figure this out? When Jesus was born, the angels announced peace, goodwill towards men from God. And Jesus, when he comes, he says, I've come to bring a sword. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you manage all of that if you're going to jump to this end or that end of this uh, this continuum? It has to be an in- integration of truth. And here he says, I have come to for there will be five in one house will be divided, three against two, two against three, five against son. And where do you suppose this division comes from? It's not, it, what's happening is Jesus brings the ultimate dividing line. Which is truth. Yeah. And, and, and we are introduced or invited to come up to and embrace that, that line of truth, to, to walk in the truth, to walk in the light of the word of God. And when you do that, you are going to have enemies. People are going to get upset because you're not doing it their way. You're not preaching the gospel their way. You're not, you know, living your life according to their counsel. And then what we have again with all of this, um, this, uh, pressure to, to do it someone else's way, we get pressured and controlled and, and feeling obligated and manipulated. And, and then we have all of this stuff where people are trying to make everything fair, you know, and then and to do that, you have to be a constant judge. You're feeling like you've got to judge. Everybody's judging you, and you're judging everybody. God did not make us at this point to be the judges of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, He caused us to know that there is going to be division, and with even within that, to love one another, forgive one another, and know that everybody isn't going to love you because you love the truth. As a matter of fact, Paul said, "Do I become your enemy because, because I, tell I tell you the, the truth?" truth. Mm-hmm. And to, and and that's a good. Uh, it's really okay to have enemies because you are telling the truth, and not the truth that you, not your opinion, not your perspective, not your your covetous, hidden, unrevealed motive for whatever is you're standing for, but to truly. Jesus said, when they said to him, "Hey, why are you doing this? You, what gives you this authority? You know, who do you think you are? You know," he says, and Jesus answered, "Basically, I'm really paraphrasing." He says, you guys honor each other. You, you brag about yourselves. Mm-hmm. He says, but I come. I don't take any honor. He says, I'm come to do the will of my Father. So this is not about me. This, what I'm doing here, this thing I'm saying, this harsh thing that you don't like that I'm saying to you, is not about me. It is about what my Father told me to tell you. And I am just a servant. I'm just here to deliver the message. And I think that's the position we need to take. Jesus wasn't trying. To, he wasn't in it for himself. He was not in this for himself at all. I mean, even though there was a great reward and is a great reward for him as the Father has declared it to be. But when he's he's come to to bring all this animosity, fire, sword, division, it was because 
there was going to be the devil, the counselor of evil, who's going to make you feel offended, upset. This is rude. This is not fair. I think that's one of Satan's favorite opening lines in every discussion. It's not fair. He goes before the Father all the time and makes accusation as he did with Job. It's not fair. You give him everything he wants to Adam. It's not fair. You baby them. You give them everything. Of course they're going to love you. And, and Satan's one desire is to prove God wrong and to prove that we do not love God for just the sake of loving God, that we can be bribed, we can be bought, because that's what Satan does with a lot of his people. He, he, buy, he buys them. He bribes them. He, he either bribes them or he intimidates them. And he forces them to serve him or to follow him. And they feel very caught in that destruction because they feel bad. But Jesus said, the, the scripture says, the very, very last verse in the Old Testament, it says that the hearts of the fathers would be again turned towards their sons in that day, the great and dreadful day, the last day, that God would turn the hearts. He would, re, he would repair families, relationships, sons, daughters. You know, and a lot of times when we want real truth and fair and justice, we have to do something uh, that's very hard for us, and that's what we have to admit we're wrong. We have to... Um, you know, say things like, I'm sorry, um, I, I, I blew it, I messed, I messed up. Um, you know, I, we have to admit, we have to humble ourselves. That's why it says he wants us to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly, which means admit when we're wrong. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there is no hope or remedy for any of it. Mm-hmm. And of course, because of all these injustices, we move into Luke chapter 15, <clears throat> where Jesus begins to tell the stories of the lost sheep. Now, he's, he's referring to the sheep, but the sheep, it, it can be a family member. It can be a, your child. It can be a, um, a husband. It can be someone that Jesus cares about that is now alienated, the black sheep, exed out. You may be the black sheep. You may be the one who was, uh, all the blame was laid on you. You were scapegoated. And you know what? Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, truth does not make us victims. So if you're feeling bad or sorry for yourself or poor me or or it's not fair and I'm, you know, nobody understands me, you know what? The reason that's happening to you, believe it or not, is because you're believing it's going to happen to you and you believe the lie. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. It doesn't say the truth will set you free if other people believe the truth and start being nice to you. The, you, the truth will liberate you whether they ever change or ever say their story or ever admit they're wrong or die never admitting it. You don't have to be bound to their judgments of you if you stop judging yourself as the poor me. You're not. You are mighty in God, and you need to buck up and cast off these agreements with, um, I'm the black sheep, poor this one and that one. Get over it. This is a trap. This is a lie. This is as bad as bitterness in your heart or, or being covetous or being greedy or stealing the inheritance. These lies are all intended for one thing, and that is to cripple your life, cripple the people of God, keep us from loving one another. The greatest opportunity we have in this world is to not be offended, not to take it personal, not to become the lost sheep, not to say I've sinned too much, not to say I'll never make it back, not to say they won't accept me back. And you know what? Maybe they won't accept you back, but God will. It doesn't matter if anybody ever says you're fine, you're okay, we're sorry. You don't have to wait for somebody to say, I'm sorry, I hurt you. You can forgive them yourself. That means 
you're going to release them from all of the judgments you've made against them and the judgments they've made against you that have brought you into this horrible place. You're going to say, I am turning this over to the high court of heaven. I will no longer judge this matter. When we say, I forgive, you're saying, I no longer judge. I release. I release this crime, this injustice to the high court of heaven. That's what forgiveness means. Forgiveness doesn't mean I've just got to, I've just got to eat it. I've got to swallow it. I've got to just you know, put up with it. Um, no. It means I'm going to go to a better judge. I'm not going to be the judge. I can't judge this. You can't be the judge in your own case, even in a normal court, and get justice. You have to be the plaintiff. So in First Peter chapter 2, it says, But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth when he was reviled. That means he was just uh, uh, abused, verbally abused. (laughs) He was physically abused, of course, uh, spiritually abused by the enemy. Uh, When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. What did he say at the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. He did not threaten, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's so many believers that are not necessarily in the poor me thing um, because of their stand for Christ, but they're facing great, great injustices. Or bitterness. Yeah, or not necessarily even bitterness. Sometimes it's just kind of overwhelming. It's like... My, my, it's like, how can people be this this mean and nasty? Yeah. But what Jesus, you know, the example of Jesus is is what he gives us to follow and what he enables us to follow, that he did not threaten. He committed himself to him who judges right and say, Lord, mm-hmm. he said, Father, you're going to take care of this. I'm going to move on. I'm going to forgive. Move on. His, he moved on mm-hmm. with his mission, and his mission was to bear our sins. So actually, the justice of God uh, for, that you know has been satisfied for our sins. Yes, and that doesn't mean that everybody's going to get off the hook with God. No, but it does mean if you've asked for forgiveness and confessed that sin, God doesn't remember it anymore. It's it's been stricken from the record in terms of it's not going to come before the court. So when he talks about everything being revealed, I think the things that are going to be revealed are the things that have not been forgiven and forgotten by God. God's the one that forgets. You know, he he deliberately causes himself to forget because he doesn't technically forget. Um, So, but back to Luke for a minute. You know, there are some practical biblical methods or steps to take when you are wronged. And, um, for example, in Luke 12, right after he talks about the division in families and sending a fire on earth and fathers against sons and mothers against daughters... In 54, he says, Luke 12, 54, he says, Then he said to the multitudes, When you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, A shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south winds blow, you say, There will be hot weather, and there is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? 
this time is what we're talking about. It's what we talked about in the very beginning of the show. It's this time filled with misunderstandings and violence and greed and bitterness and weeping and intentional scheming to deceive and hatred and strategic targeting of the innocent. That's this time. We are in this world created by the God of this world. And he says, yes, and why even of yourselves do you not judge what is right? Now, we will at some point judge angels according to the word of God. But at this point, he says, why do you not judge what is right? When you go with your adversary to the magistrate, make every effort along the way to settle with him, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge deliver you to the officer, and the officer throw you in prison. I tell you, you shall not depart from there till you have paid the very last mite. So if you're going to take justice and fairness to its full length, you may end up being the one in jail. You may end up being the one paying the last mite. It just depends on, and with justice these days, as fickle as it is, lots of times the innocents are found guilty, and the guilty are uh, released and found innocent. So I wouldn't even want to take any of my stuff to any of the human courts these days. I would much rather say, you know what, I forgive you. I release you from my judgment. We'll let the Lord God deal with this later, as is appropriate, if indeed there needs to be anything dealt with later. Maybe that other person We'll come to a recognition, a revelation. You see, the thing is, when we're, when we're going to, you know, get, if you really want justice, we have to remember that we have to, first of all, take some initiative ourselves to, to um, take, uh, admit when we're wrong, admit what we've done wrong, um, and, and deal with our own selves first. To make it right, to make it fair isn't always possible, but I can admit to the truth. And the truth will set me free. So, well, there are there are a lot of uh, you know churches and other organizations that their their goal is to achieve social justice. Yeah, what they have a particular agenda, and that's what we need to focus on. Mm-hmm. A lot of these so-called you know liberal churches, yeah. that's what they're focused on is trying to bring social justice, trying to make some of this right. Now, how there, there's there's that aspect of it. There's that that we want to do it humanly mm-hmm. to kind of bring a little bit of heaven on earth that way through human terms, Fix things. not really through the gospel, but through our own political efforts and and, and you know laws and stuff like that. Be, behind every so, uh, you know theme of social justice and all of this stuff is manipulating and the masses, love and forgiveness are manipulating the the masses to not be able to discern truth from error. And, and God's will from the devil, because there's all, we've already discussed this many times, but, you know, social justice, don't judge people, it's not fair, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they can't help themselves, they were born that way, um, whatever, whatever. You have to be, and all these kids running off to all these countries to do all these good deeds, you know, it's nice that Jesus said the poor you're going to always have with you. He didn't say don't do good deeds. He did say give alms to the poor, but he said don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. But please, people... Do not be manipulated by the very evil one that you hate into doing his work by running off to serve some global agenda that you're not even aware of. Okay, enough said on that. Now, going back to to Luke again, he's moving through this whole idea of judgment and justice. And Jesus, in Luke 13, this is the only gospel he refers to this. He's talking about there was news of the day that uh, some, chapter 1, verse 1, there were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans who, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. 
And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Gentiles were worse sinners than all the other Gentiles because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And or the 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam felt, fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse sinners than others because of all the men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you not. No, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Notice, notice he's saying both for the Gentile or the, 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 you know, and the Jew, Things, bad things happen. Towers fall, Pilate kills, bloodshed. And, he's, and, and, and in Job, they tried to make all of these bad things happening to Job the result of Job's sin. They were judging Job by the consequences or the circumstances Job found himself in. And that's what we do sometimes to our brothers and sisters. We judge them. They must have sinned or, the, or this bad thing. God would never have put this bad thing on him. God does not, let's bring that up. God does not really judge us right now. He is not, I don't believe, he, Jesus said you're already condemned in uh, John chapter 3. Mm-hmm. We're already born into this world condemned, of course, by Satan and loved by God. Now the, 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 the drama begins the, the, uh, of God drawing us back into the, the truth, into the love, into the revelation of his love. When we're surrounded by hatred, contempt, and all kinds of lies told to us about God and about ourselves. So God is not the one judging us right now. What happens is... The devil is putting upon us demonic judgments. We are suffering tragedies, calamities, um, huge bad things, whether it's a loss of, of, of livelihood or a, a, a concussion, um, uh, in a coma, uh, you know, lost your family, lost your wife, whatever you did. Uh, all of these things are coming upon us for one reason. It's because we have agreed to a lie, or many lies. But the point is, we have agreed with the condemner, the spirit of guilt. Because guilt has set this world up on a legalistic basis. Legalism. He has set it up on law, fair, and legalism. And we can't live by those principles. Jesus said, you know, we gave you the law only as a, protect, as a protection, as a, as a precaution, and as a temporary means that law could never justify you. But so many of you have got hooked in the law and hooked by the law, and now you're condemned by the law. And, and because we believe the law was given to us by God, which it was, but it was not given to us by God to save us. It was given by God to prove to us we needed to be saved. And so, but the devil has made the law the deal. And he's made life about sin and being good. God says, there's none good, not good enough to get to heaven. You, I have to cover you with my righteousness. I chose you from the foundation of the world. I called you and appointed you. He knew we were going to fall in this mud puddle. He knew he, he was going to put us in the mud puddle. He knew the devil was going to do his very best to destroy our relationship with God and believe a lie. And the lie is that I have to be good to get to heaven. And when you fail to be good and you break the commandments, I don't care if you're talking Ten Commandments, Church Commandments, Jewish traditions, I don't care what kind of legalism the devil's trying to set up in your life and make you uh, bow down to it, it becomes your God. And that's, that's bondage. That is not God's will. We are free. Whom the Son sets free is free. Not free to sin, but free to walk in the revelation of love and truth and knowledge and to be like Jesus. Jesus knew he wasn't going to, he had to satisfy the law himself. He knew he had to die to do that. But but Satan, if he can get you, like, we judge one another by circumstances. Like I said, and if you're in a tough place right now, in a wilderness in your life, your friends are going to come by and say, what did you do wrong? You must be sinning. God's mad at you. 
and or if you break a law internally, the devil is going to bring that judgment on you. Say you, you judged, you stole, you lied, you did drugs, you committed adultery, fornication, you broke God's law. Now, God, the author of that law, is mad at you, and you deserve to be punished. You have to do penance. You have to fix it. You have to make up for it. You have to, you know, work your way back to God. That is not what God says. But if you believe, I had this coming, I deserve this, even if it's a subconscious agreement, and a lot of them really are subconscious. I know this for an absolute fact. You will allow the guilt, who has three friends, pain, pain and penalty, which are the same thing, um, poverty and infirmity, to take away your life, your gifts. And Satan uses this scripture, judge not, lest you be judged, for with what judgment you judge, you'll be judged. So if you've stolen from people, the devil will take away your things. If you've set people up to um, put them in harm's way, the devil will put you in harm's way. If you have um, lied and cheated, then someone's going to lie about you and cheat and take from you. It's just an eye for an eye. Tooth. That's the devil's justice. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, blow for blow, blood for blood. Because the, Satan doesn't know any other way to make things fair except to make everybody guilty and everybody pay. But here's the problem. When you accept that guilt because you think you're guilty and you should be taking responsibility, you don't hear what God says then. says in Romans 7, even in 7.20, Paul says, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. And God didn't say, okay, Paul, erase that line. We've got to change that. They need to take responsibility for their sin. I know I harp on this. But guys, as most people in the world have not even heard this one time. If you've heard it 12 times already, go tell somebody. Go tell them the truth and set them free. And Paul said, it, there's, a, there's a war going on inside of me. And the war is between guilt and innocence. It's between the secret, the shame, and the innocence. How many people I know personally, you know personally, that have been assaulted, sin- sinned against, sexually abused, abandoned, beaten, even as children, and they carry that shame. They carry that secret. And that secret and that shame alter their being. Uh, not their being, but their, their doings. It alter- and that becomes what they see themselves doing is what they believe they are. So it alters their behavior, and they become angry, belligerent, dishonest, uh, hard to reach. They become angry and sullen. If you have children like that in your home, know this, carrying a secret, fear and shame, and they don't know what to do with it, and they're afraid to tell you because shame says, what will they think? They'll judge me. So your love for them has to overcome their fear of letting you know what's going on. You need to love them and pray to God. Bind that spirit of fear, shame, guilt, and silence that's locked your child up in that. Because when children are there, they will act out. They will misbehave. They'll become sullen, withdrawn, isolated, pull into their friendships with like-minded people, uh, zone out, uh, inundate their life with rock music and loud noises and video games, they're isolating because they can't face themselves. And so when people go into that place of agreeing with guilt, then the the demon puts the judgment on you. He puts the judgment on you, and you then, however, believe, I had this coming, God is mad at me. And so we get no relief from the constant 
um, pattern of demonic judgments so, in our life. So how 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 does this relate to what you're saying, Marjorie? It says um, uh, in Galatians six, seven, and eight. It says, "Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will that he will also reap." For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So, how, how do, what you're saying, how does that relate to that verse? In other words, okay. if we if we sow uh, discord, discord. Well, that's will just come like back for us. the the principle. There's a principle there. Uh, how does that operate in relation to what you just were saying? Well, that's a very good question. Um, by the way, if anybody has questions, you can call us at 347-215-8051. This is a call-in talk show, by the way, not just a listen show. But anyway, going back, um, Galatians, whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. Um, he said, and then he goes on to say, if you reap, if you sow to the flesh, you'll the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, your, your spirit will reap everlasting life. Satan uses the Bible. He uses it all the time. He knows it very well. He, he doesn't um, abide by it, but he uses it as a big hammer. And he uses parts of it, as we know he did with Jesus. He tempted him using Scripture. And Jesus said, it is also written. But in this, same with judge not, lest you be judged. Satan, he said, for with what judgment you judge, you will also be judged. Satan uses that verse all the time mm-hmm. in making his, his case before the high court of heaven. He says, your word says, God, that, that, that with the same judgment that they judged, they will be judged. Now, Satan has set someone up to commit sin, uh, violate themselves, lie, steal, whatever, break the law, and, and, and judge themselves. And then Satan says, and look, they're agreeing with me. They're guilty. They're judging themselves. Therefore, I have a right to bring upon them this this demonic, uh, the law of reciprocity is in kind and in same intensity. So if it's a blow for a, it'll be a blow for a blow. If it's a, a theft for a theft, that goes back into Galatians. If you sow onions, you're going to pick onions. If you plant radishes, you're going to pick radishes. And God is saying, this is a law, just like this is a law. But in our revelation, and in our redemption, God says, now we have changed from the law of, you know, whatever you do, you're going to reap it back to the law of love. If you plant love, pick love. If you want, here's God's, here's God's law of reciprocity. You want forgiveness? You want it from me? Then give it to your brother. You want mercy from me? Then give it to your brother. If you give mercy and forgiveness to your brother, then I am on it. I'm obligated to give it back to you. That's as nice as it gets. Part of this, though, we can sow goodness and righteousness, and and Jesus sowed truth, love, righteousness, healing, all this. What did he get back? Reviling, false accusations, um, all this stuff will come back. So, so we we sow. We'll reap good things if we sow good things. But sometimes we sow good things, and what we what what will come back? We get backlash. Are you we, saying the Bible is not talking, telling the truth? No, you're no, not. No, I'm saying not that. saying that. But, but here's the deal, though. I got to elaborate on this sowing and reaping thing. In the devil's new language and new theologies that he 
you know, he kind of generates new ideas to corrupt people. We have a thing called karma. Karma, yeah. And in karma, it, it, it's, it's you are really wanting to control your destiny by being good. They're us, it's Satan's using part of the scripture here. If you want good things to happen to you, be good. So people say, okay, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to love the world, love the earth, love the trees, hug the trees, whatever. I'm going to do, 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 be good, 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 good. So that good has to come back to me. But what do you do then when your good and bad things are returned to you? How do you explain that? Well, the Bible says there's also that. Is That is also another truth that this, the, the, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the God of this world hates righteousness. He hates justice and he hates truth. Mm-hmm. And he hates us if we're practicing truth and telling truth and practicing righteousness. And so, you know, what karma can't give you any remedies. There's no remedy if people, you're doing good, being good, trying to love the earth and pick up a nut litter and, and, and you know, watch your carbon steps here and there. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Ah, God have mercy if I got enough stuff to do with my life without trying to do that. What anyway. about your carbon footprint? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Anyway, so uh, so where was I? I got kind of lost in that little thought over there, that sideline. But so, so God wants us, there, karma gives us no remedy for injustice, but God does. And God's mm-hmm. remedy is release them from your judgment. Forgive them. I will judge all these matters in the end. As a matter of fact, I'm even going to let you help me judge because I'm going to let you judge the devil who's been judging you all your life. Now, there is reciprocity. We get to finally judge the angels who have been judging and accusing us all of our life. Please, people, do not side with the devil when he takes you to court. When you present your case before the high court of heaven, do not take the devil's side when he takes you to court to accuse you before the high court of heaven. Most of us are doing that. Yeah, I did it. You know, I'm not saying to not admit what you did. I'm not saying don't confess. I'm not saying don't repent. But I'm saying do repent. I'm saying do change your mind. I'm saying do confess. Do admit to God. You got tricked by the devil. Yes, you did make the choice. But who set the hook deliberately to deceive you in the first place? Is the fish guilty caught on the hook? The fish got caught on the hook. Now, guilt implies some sort of wrongdoing. Was it wrong for the fish to look for lunch? Wasn't it more wrong for the fisherman to hook the bait on the hook to deliberately take advantage of the innocent little gullible hungry fish? You're the fish. The devil is the fisherman. Don't be judging yourself. That's what Paul says, don't even judge myself. What we do is when the Holy Spirit inside of you convicts you of something, don't get defensive. That's not even you, by the way. God did not build you to get defensive. That is a demonic reaction to keep you from repenting or turning over to God and and looking to the truth, confessing the sin. Defensive. When someone comes to you and they are bringing before you what they see, uh, observe, uh, maybe it's an injustice or a wrong or something there, you're feeling judged or accused of, consider it. Examine the truth that might be there and say, Lord God, I don't want to be defensive. There's usually a grain of truth in everything the devil does. I mean, doesn't tell complete ever 100% lies because then no one would be believing him. So, Lord, what is my part in this? And, you know, a lot of this stuff is deliberate 
misunderstandings, misperceptions, miscommunications that Satan has deliberately set up between you and that other person to cause the misperceptions. We, our lives are filtered through lenses. You see the world through lenses. And when your eyeballs get filled with cataracts, the thing is not is as it appears. It's not clear. It's distorted. It's, it's not right. It's not crisp. It's not true. It's distorted. And the same is in the spirit, the same with your mind. We have been distorted. The lens of our perception have been, well, perception itself has been corrupted by experience. Our experiences, you believe your experience is the God, the bottom line, God's bottom line on truth. It is not. Your experience is something that was contrived, set up, and Satan intentionally used your experience and the perceptions of it and the way you perceived it to, to go down to deceive you. Right, because we those experiences and those perceptions create our opinions, mindsets, create these lenses. Which, and so, so we interpret everything right. you're saying through these filters. So we're, 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 in a sense, these things are acting as truth. Absolutely. Where you're using them as a basis of judgment right. of ourselves. And others. And we're using ourselves. our misperceptions and our bad experiences as a basis for judgment, that's why, good point, that's why we can never get fair justice. Because you're always, because everybody's at a different point of view, a different point of justice. This should have been mine. That wasn't right. You know, whatever, I'm mad. That's, and so you're, we're trying to make justice happen from our point of view. And our point of view is formed through misperceptions and bad experiences. And the only thing you can do with bad, rotten, um, you, just, you got bad breaks in your life, things weren't fair. Turn them over to God. Right. And even the issue of, you know, how am I doing in my life? Say, as a Christian. Yeah. How, how, how am I doing, Lord? You know? Well, you know, a lot of us ask that question to ourselves, <laughs> and we make a self judgment uh, again uh, on ourselves. And we go to our soul to make a, a, to, to do a tally, an evaluation of how did I do? How am I doing? You know, I feel good today. I feel God's presence today. I feel bad today. I feel like God's mad at me. I feel, feel, feel. I think I should have. You know what? We're taking, this is not your position. It's thy will be done, O God. I am the servant of God. His spirit lives in me. It's his job to correct me and perfect me. Here are some some points of liberation for us in those issues and those areas that we're describing. First Corinthians chapter four, verses one through five. He says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. Amen. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. Mm-hmm. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Yes, 
that's exactly right. But here we go back to the the bad things that are happening in the world. And we're made by God to hate injustice. We see all these unfair things. We judge those unfair things through our own perceptions and experiences. Uh, and, and then we make judgments against others. And then, if they, and then we try to fix the unfairness. And in this world, in this political world, in this global agenda, in the, the, we're wrapping up. This is truly what the Bible has talked about in Daniel, Revelations, and e- e- Ezekiel. We're, we're there. Now, when you're observing, hearing, listening to the, the, the news and the events and, and the, the whatever's going on that you bring into your understanding and try to make sense out of it, you can observe that stuff and know stuff. But we're not to judge that stuff. Because when you judge it, you get mad. Discerning doesn't invoke an emotion of anger or bitterness, but judging does. You say, we we see something that's not right, and we say, that's wrong and I'm mad. That is wrong, but I am not mad because God is going to fix it. Because I already knew by the grace of God and the Word of God that's going to happen. So here's the problem, though. Many of us spend our, when we can't fix the injustice, when we try to fix unfair, I can't fix unfair. I'm not here to fix unfair. I'm not here to make things fair. I'm here to be kind and to love. And I can only be responsible for the actions that come out of myself as I submit to the Holy Spirit. And I choose to do that. So if something is not fair, here's what you do. If other people are even judging themselves and in bad situations right now because they're under the pattern of demonic judgments and laying in a coma or, or uh, you know, in a treatment program where they're wanting to kill themselves or at that critical suicidal point where they, they've judged themselves to the point where they decided, I don't deserve to be here, I don't want to be here, I can't take it anymore. We can't even judge people who commit suicide because you know you, don't, you weren't there. And the spirit of suicide was. But anyway, when we carry and make our whole life, make it the, the, the cause and purpose of our whole life to carry an injustice and a bitterness to our grave, we're going to stay mad at this thing. Stay, bitterness, by the way, is swallowed anger. You've, made, you've taken it inside. Your body now becomes the carrier for this evil, horrible, unfair, wicked thing. Your stomach begins to burn. You have acid reflux. You, you, you break out with inf- inflammations. Your body turns, gets red and becomes full of rashes. It burns inside because these bitternesses and injustices, are, they're eating you up. Now, here's what we do. This is not your job to become the carrier. And you stay mad until you can get to God and tell him all these bad things that happened to you. That you, can do, you can tell him that things right now. You don't have to wait to die to go to God and, and pour out your complaint. The Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace and mercy to find help in time of trouble. You can pour out your complaint. You can complain against the devil to God in the high court of heaven. You can say stuff like, you know what, God, this is wrong. You know it's wrong. It's evil. You know the devil runs it. You know what he did to my friend. You know what he's doing to me. You know this inheritance. You know this, that, whatever. I'm coming to present my case to you now, Lord God. You said to come. I am your child. You said to come boldly. I have forgiven. That means, Lord... I've released this situation, this crime committed against him or against me. or I, commit, I turn that over to the high court right now. Court is in session in heaven right now. And you can bring your case. You can say, God, here's the deal. I present my case. I, I, I forgive. I release from my judgment. I turn over to you. I release from my judgment so-and-so for 
and then name the crime. Don't pretend like there's no crime. If you've got no crime, you got no problem. You shouldn't be having a problem. So you go to the court when you have a crime committed against you. You have to present it to the judge. And so you present the, the, your case that, God, this is what I see. This is what happened. Now, you know the truth, Lord. You know what happened to them, and you know the demonic provocations. You know how the devil was targeting both of us. You know how he set up this division between us, this sword. You know what the devil's up to, Lord. I don't. And so I am going to forgive my brother, my sister, my enemy. I am going to forgive them and turn it over to you. Because, Lord God, that way, all I can come before you and say is, Lord, I release them to you for your judgment. I ask you to forgive me, and now I ask for justice. I ask that you would judge my enemy. The only way you can ask for judgment against your enemy is to forgive him. And God said, bless your enemy. How can you bless your enemy if he's your enemy? The only way you can do that is he doesn't, isn't your enemy anymore, but the true enemy is identified, who is the evil, the God of this world, or the principality. They hate human beings. Bible says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, always making that what the war is about. He's either getting you to fight with yourself, setting you up in opposition to yourself, or he's getting you to pick a fight with somebody out there. Both of those activities are totally stupid and futile. They will bring forth nothing of the purposes of God. God's purposes are served when we bring the, the problems to God, and God then judges the enemy. God you, God, you judge my enemy. You judge that spirit of bitterness that's trying to take a hold of me. You judge that spirit of strife and fear that's trying to take a hold of my brother, my sister, and make them you know, become covetous or hoarding or, or tell lies or isolate. God, you judge. Name the devil. Name them. The spirit of addiction that's trying to kill me or kill my brother or kill my son, my daughter. I ask you, Lord God, to judge these enemies and then I also release to you, Father God, my the one who was purported to be my enemy, the one that Satan tried to get me to believe was my enemy. I turn that sister, that brother, that lost one over to you, and I bless them with, what are you going to bless them with? The best thing you can bless them with, the thing that makes the devil the maddest. Bless them, Lord God, with a revelation of salvation. Bless them with a revelation of your truth. Bless them, Lord God, to be set free from this behavior that's bound to them. This is where you die. This is where you have mercy. This is where you come into the place of being like Jesus. This is where you come into the place of being like Jesus. This is the the place where we die. We die to our own immediate desire for justice and we trust God. So when you turn the crime over to God, you are trusting God. Now, it's not my problem anymore. It is his problem. And so then I further present my case and I say, okay, court, court of heaven, I want blessings on my enemy, which is the human. I want judgment on the devil, which is the real enemy. And I, Father God, ask you now to render a verdict in favor of whatever has been stolen from you. The restoration of life, joy, peace, um, honor, a good reputation, whatever has been stolen from you or marred uh, or delayed. You ask the court, whether it's witchcraft whatever they're doing to to set you up in a snare and a net, you say, God, I want deliverance. I want this thing exposed. God, it is your problem, not mine. And when you do this, you won't be spending your whole life becoming uh, a a carrier of bitterness and injustice. The burdens of life are great enough without having to make your life a disaster in trying to fix all these wrongs. They're not going to be fixed, but we can do one thing in the midst of all these wrongs and the terrible things that are going on, the testing 
uh, the, the 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 wars, the cutting off of heads, you know, the the the, the lies, uh, the the future that they planned for us. You can know this: that God knew all about it from the very beginning, and He has a way of making it all right and to make us safe. And He's going to protect and correct everything. Jesus said, even a blade of grass that has not been established by him or, or brought into being by him is going to be held in account, come into account. Even the dust on your sandals that you shake off when you leave a place that is not accepting the peace and truth of Jesus, even dust is going to be used as a testimony and as a witness evidence against that particular situation. So the whole deal is that there is a uh, that God is God is the righteous judge. Uh, we it says um, Psalm eighty nine fourteen righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face, and so we commit the judgment. If the the word mm-hmm. Jesus said, "I didn't come to judge the world; I came to save the world." And he said, the word that I speak will will judge people in that day. So when there is the tremendous freedom, what you've been talking about, Marjorie, the tremendous freedom that comes to us when we commit the judgment, when we release the other people, when we release ourselves, we release the issue to the righteous judge, God. And when we're in this world of unfairness and injustice, we are here. What are we here to do? We're here to honor and glorify the Lord. We're here to forgive. We're here to be witnesses. We're here to be salt. We're here to be light. And not be distracted. We're not be do dis- not, not be, distracted. be distracted. We live we by the ex- false expectation that we're going to live in this hunky-dory, wonderful world you know, around. I mean, yes, creation that God created is wonderful. It's great. But in the midst of this world system that is so evil, mm-hmm. we can live soberly and with righteously peace. And with that, peace. That in brings peace. Yeah, and, and with a liberty uh-huh. because that, that comes from for forgiveness and just simply discerning good from evil, walking. We read it earlier, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Amen. And I just want to recap one thing. that There's a lot of good things in this show. You guys should actually listen to it again. <laughs> but it, there's a di- the difference between discerning and judging is anger. If you discern it and you're still at peace, then you know. When you discern the news and what is going on and you don't become irritated, angry, aggravated, upset, you know, provoked. You know, we're to be provoked to righteousness, of course. But the thing is, that is the that's the the, the uh, critical piece in the difference between discerning, knowing. God wants you to know stuff. He wants you to discern it. He said, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing. He wants us to know by their fruits. But to do deal with the 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 judgment of it is not ours at this point in time. And so, turning these things over to God and blessing one another, and then this will keep you in that place of peace. So the the key in these very difficult days. When things are going to get worse and worse and the people are going to be more and more upset and more and more mad and even at God, in these days, we can rejoice, we can rest, we can remain in that place of peace and focus on the coming of Jesus Christ, 
I don't have time, energy, or anything to do anything except focus on the return of Jesus Christ, and neither do you. So, God, we pray your blessing, your peace, and the righting of wrongs is your job, Lord. We are to walk in righteousness, not always the perfect of what it would should be, but the righteousness of humility, forgiveness, admitting when we're wrong, being thankful, saying, I've sinned, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, and remembering that if we want grace and forgiveness from you, Lord God, we just have to give it to one another. And this doesn't mean we're pushovers and pansies. This means we're mighty because the warriors carry a blade of the Word of God and love. So, Lord, bless us this day and teach us how to love one another and to let you be the judge. Amen. for your 